0: Here's a sneak peek of what we have today. Uh, in Australia, it's much more just the dentist does everything. So
1: do you do you have any advice for people that just kind of want to network, explore dentistry and get their career jump-started?
0: Just from doing the podcast, from doing CB Junk, you learn about like advertising through Google, through Facebook, Facebook ads, Instagram ads.
1: There's a lot to know about in dentistry. We should be having discussions about business, entrepreneurship and innovation. So let's start right here, right now. This is The Business of Drilling.
0: Yeah, so if you're from, if you study in Australia, you just do the Canadian boards and then you can start working in Canada. And then I think the reciprocal, there's no ex, there's no board exam in Australia, which is kind of interesting. Like when you finish down school, you just graduate and then you just start working pretty much. Oh. Um, so I don't know if like Canadians that want to come to Australia need to do anything. I think you can just come and work pretty much. You just have to get a visa and stuff. Um, right. So I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's a good place to, to work for a couple of years if you guys are, before you settle down, might not be a bad idea. <laughs> That's what everyone That's never
2: (laughs) crossed my
1: mind. (laughs) No, no, come on. So many people want to go to Australia. That's on so many people's bucket lists.
2: Yeah. I mean, as a, are you talking about as a dentist or as a?
1: Well, no, as not as a tourist. dentist. People think about just going to live in Australia, but the
0: fact that you can just go work as
1: a dentist in Australia <laughs> is a pretty sweet yeah, deal. I, yeah, yeah, that, that it's, it's a nice that
0: working. Some people come here and like work on farms and stuff. You can come and be a dentist and make good money. And <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's just <laughs> and live pretty comfortably, so it's good <laughs> <laughs> right away too. So yeah, and yeah, it's pretty sweet.
1: We wanted to focus today on basically things you can do outside of dental school, yeah. like you know, you started a podcast, right? And then you're also, we did some research on you, and you've started something called the CPD Junkie, right? And that was actually one of your recent episodes uh, that I listened to on the Newbie Dentist too, right? So you're pretty, you have a pretty interesting story, and you have a a very sort of interesting drive, right? So do you mind just kind of going through your journey and, you know, how you got from day one to here?
0: Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's always exciting to chat to students as well because I think you guys are just such a fresh perspective on things and are excited to enter the workforce and uh I always like connecting back and seeing where what the mood is like in the dental schools and what the students are thinking about their careers and things so I'm sure we'll get into that as well uh for myself you know I've always been interested in business I you know when I was in dental school I discovered podcasting and initially it was all the business of dental podcasts so like Howard Friend and um like the dentalpreneurs with Marcostis and shared practices and all those ones. And I was really just like digging into like practice metrics, how to buy a practice, should I open a practice? And I I had like this whole like plan laid out on my buy a practice. I'm gonna, you know, open a second one, a third one. This is how I wanna shape it up. And then with like, you know, life stuff happens and you have to move back and forth. So I, I, we have a bit of geographic uncertainty right now because my wife, you know, uh, did medicine here as well. So she's finishing up her medical training right now in Australia and doing her residency and all that. So we're not sure where we're going to kind of end up long-term and to open a dental practice, you need stability. You need to be there five, 10, 15 years to actually make that investment worthwhile to mature a patient base before you can kind of sell it or move on from it. So essentially to like scratch that business entrepreneurial itch, I was like, well, I can't like open a practice. So what else can I do to just keep myself busy outside of work? So I don't kind of go crazy. And so the podcast was one way. And I started out pretty early on for my first year out of dental school. Uh, mostly just for networking and to know people and trying to uh, connect with different people in the industry and to learn from them. And then when I moved back to Australia after about a year of working in Toronto, I, you know, met up with some like nice local people. Another friend of mine, David Kier, who has a podcast here in Australia. And we kind of started this dental company called Foresight Dental, because what we saw was there's a bit of a pocket of space because everything was either very clinical, you know, um, biomimetic dentistry, rubber dam, endo, or it was business of dentistry. And in between that sort of space, there was like the whole, uh, you know, communication skills, uh, mindfulness, uh, dealing with burnout, like all those sort of things. So we, um, and I'm a big like junkie in that kind of stuff, like self-improvement stuff myself. So we, we wrote a journal, like a physical daily journal for dentists. So I had like a bit of a introduction about sort of like the mindset stuff, goal setting and all that. And then there was a daily practice in it of one of my goals for the day, um like checking in with yourself at the end of the day be like did i accomplish those things that I, I wanted to improve my like rubber dam today did i do a good job Did i actually make sure i like invert my in margins or just to like keep yourself on check keep yourself accountable so that was our first sort of like little small business venture that we did and we recently about a maybe a six months or a year into it we kind of sold it to like the australian dental association they bought that whole ip from us which is pretty exciting for us and wow. then about maybe a few months ago or probably a year yeah. ago we kind of Pivoted into CPD junkie because someone just approached us with the idea and we thought it was a really good idea. So essentially it's just like a Google search engine for CPD like CE courses in like you guys would say in in North America. So you come to the website, you just search, you know, oral surgery, wisdom, teeth, implants, endo, whatever it is. And we've cataloged all the available courses like available throughout Australia within that. And so that's something that we've been developing this past year. And obviously with, with COVID, there's like no events running, so uh, not a great time to launch that sort of business, but what it allowed us to do was really develop the website, develop the systems and the platforms and the back end of it. Um, so that's been growing pretty steadily. We got some, you know, we got a lot of partners that have um, come and promoted their courses through us. So we've got like, we've hired dental students and staff and things and things are kind of escalating and growing that way. And I guess, you know, none of this stuff is going to replace your like dental income so I'm not looking at this like oh I'm going to like retire from dentistry and just do this full-time uh, in the short term anyways but uh, you learn a lot you learn about uh, just marketing you learn about communicating you learn about sales so I look at this stuff as sort of just like a way of learning business and when you know whenever we move back whether we move back to Canada or decide to that like, kind of stay here long term when I open a practice and that's what the ultimate goal is then I think I'll I've built up all these skills that I can now just, you know, deploy into into the dental practice and see where things go.
1: Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, you're just trying to act like a sponge, just trying to do as much as you can, but yeah,
0: learn by doing. Exactly. (laughs) And then in in the process,
1: you've created such cool content too. the CPD stuff. We were talking about that and Christian, I'm pretty sure you were like, why isn't that a thing? I I feel like that should be a thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You you would think that exists because it seems as if that people have to go out of their way to see what, courses are available and they don't know all the resources that are available. So I'm I'm like completely surprised. That's, that's not a thing, especially through ODA and, and some of these bigger organizations, you'd think they would like provide that for you, but um, I th- that's a great initiative by you. And it seems, it seems that, I don't know if this is intentional or or by accident, but you do all these side projects. Um, you start all these businesses, you start the, the podcast and it, it consumes so much of your time outside of outside of practicing as a dentist. And this kind of, this builds all these relationships, uh, connections, networking. Uh, it makes you grow so much as a person as, and, and as a dentist so that once you focus all your time into opening uh, a practice, now you have so much experience. You know exactly what you want to do. Um, you have all these connections, it's it's much easier. So was that your plan or was that, is that kind of just an accident?
0: I think, I mean, it's a good point. I think it's definitely an accident. It's not something I was like, oh, I'm gonna do all this stuff so I can then go into practice and have connections and people that i can reach out to but i think that's just the approach to like life of like i, l- I learned that pretty early on and i got like i went to western for undergrad and i did kin there and when i was there i, I felt like i would just wasn't um i didn't like network well like i just didn't have that skill so when i got to like dental school i was like i really need to like really ingrain myself in the community to make sure i like connect with the demonstrator connect with the faculty and the opportunities that like that has opened up for me is just like amazing like to Uh, to get invited back by your dental school to come and like lecture the students or uh, like even just being here with you guys like this stuff is just something that you can't really plan but just kind of by saying yes to like taking opportunities and like just keeping these options open things just kind of happen sort of organically for you and I think that's like for me that's like the 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 exciting part of it because you it's hard to plan certain things Uh, you just have to like you know put out the good intention and things kind of come up and happen for you which is always awesome that's
1: always the secret behind it all, right? You, yeah. just, you just make sure you're doing something that actually is the right thing and kind of keeping you somewhat on track and everything will fall in place. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. So, okay, you, you mentioned you, you studied at Western for undergrad for, so you're London, Ontario for university, um, yeah. but then you're originally from Toronto, right? So what what happened? Why are you in Australia? How did that <laughs> process go?
0: Uh, well, essentially like, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you guys are well aware with the comparativeness of the Canadian, like dental schools and med schools and all that. Uh, my, my problem was I, cause I played soccer growing up. I was like really pretty a like, competitive soccer player. So I came to Western, um, I like a recruit for the soccer team. And then I ended up getting injured sort of pretty badly. My, like pretty much preseason, I like messed up my Achilles and I was like out. Um, and that, that was tough for me. Cause I was really like all my like habits in life were like anchored on soccer. Like it would keep me sort of away from like partying too much and like all that kind of stuff. Like I was just like, I need to play soccer. I need to like, you know, and like my parents used like soccer as like a bribe to make sure like I did well academically to like maintain this average and we'll like let you like do this and this. And then <laughs> so when, when soccer like went away, like first year I just like went off the rails a little bit. So um, my like the freshman 15 and stuff, as they say, was it was maybe like a freshman 30 for me. So um, that was tough. And I, I didn't know, like I didn't have anyone to like look up to be like, you know, how does like, how does like Western like calculate their GPA to get in their school? How does like U of T, how does, how does Mac and stuff for med? And then I, I remember it was, it was pretty f- sad and I guess it's funny in hindsight, but like I, I was like towards the end of first year at Western and I went with my cousin who was like in grade 11 or grade 12 at the time to one of those like university fairs in the city, where like all the universities come up and set up their booths and everything. And I was like, oh, let me just go see what it, what it you know what the requirements are. So I go to like U of T Med, and I was like, yeah. So like, what's the uh, requirements for GPA? Thinking it'd be the same as high school, like you know your grade eleven and grade twelve average. They're like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like your cumulative average. We drop like your lowest mark here and here. I'm like, oh shit, like I'm so screwed. Um, so like I, I tried to like get it back under control second and third and fourth year, but like just like so unforgiving the GPA system. So essentially, I just like didn't have the comparative stats, and I didn't. I had if we have friends who like. 3.94 for like don't get into med school and have to like do a master's and then oh yeah it's I, absolutely
1: ridiculous it's mental
0: here. and i was yeah, like you know what ridiculous. i and i recognized the opportunity with the reciprocal agreement um with dentistry um i, I wanted to do med all, all along to be honest and i i you know applied to like melbourne like melbourne and sydney and queensland and stuff for medicine um and i got into to melbourne medicine which was like pretty exciting but at the time it's tough because you're like an international medical graduate it's hard to like have come back to Canada, get into residency, especially if you don't want to, if you want something more competitive, if you want to do surgery, if you want to do some, like maybe even like to get into like GP or family medicine is competitive, but, um, I just through friends of mine who did dentistry, I had a friend of mine who did dentistry at Western. He's like, just go do dentistry man. It's so much better life, better work, life balance. It's easier <laughs> to get back into Canada as well. So pretty much last minute, I, like I ticked off this like application thing for dental as when I got into Melbourne dents and I was like, all right, I'll just do dentistry. Like no, I'd never showered a dentist. I had no idea, like anything. Uh, and I guess it, it worked out pretty good. So that's that's sort of how I ended up here, essentially. Just, just didn't have the grades like you guys, so.
1: No, the, the system here is insane, right? And I have a couple of friends that uh, are doing, like, medical school abroad. So they went to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them went to Ireland and stuff. And, yeah. I don't know, man, it, it's tough. Like it, it's a big decision to make to just kind of go abroad like that, right? But I, I think for sure with dentistry, the, the sort of helping hand there is the reciprocity agreement, yeah, right? And so I think it's with Australia, Canada and Ireland, right? That's right. Um Is New Zealand included in that or no?
0: Um, I think it is, but I think they're, they don't take too many international students from what I know, Um, because they only have like one or two, I think they have one University of Otago, I think it's like their only dental school if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I think they're pretty like, um, they're not as internationally driven as like the Australian schools are just from a business standpoint, so.
1: Yeah, so aside from lifestyle then, cause everyone talks about going to Australia, living their best life in Australia, whatnot, right? How was the transition? Like, Do you do you have a, something to compare to with Canadian dentistry and Australian dentistry? Like what, what are the major differences?
0: Yeah, so I think I have a pretty cool, like I guess unique perspective. Cause when I graduated, I moved back initially, like right away. So my first dental jobs were in Toronto. So I, I worked in um, a few different practices some corporate, some non-corporate. And, but then I moved back after about a year and a bit uh, to, to Australia. So just to see like the differences is pretty interesting. So um, obviously in, in North America, like the hygiene model is very huge. So the, you have your own books and you're just pretty much doing, you know, dental treatment, restorative extractions, endo, whatever it may be. And then there's one or two books of hygiene. So you're not doing any like cleanings or anything like that, which is nice. Um, also the, the assistants, the nurses are uh, more trained and have more sort of scope of practice in, in Canada than they do in Australia. So, um, they'll take your x-rays for you. They'll even you know, talk to the patient. Some people even like do pulp testing and like all that kind of stuff. It depends how much you train them. They can do your impressions for you and do your temp crowns. Um, which was nice because you kind of get used to that. You get spoiled a little bit in Canada and, and the U S of how that works. So I guess the, the interesting thing is you have to learn to time manage, like in the middle of like a procedure, you have to like duck out of the room to go do your hygiene checks and come back. So you kind of figure out like, points within treatment where you can do that so like obviously like when you give la and then that's the best time so you can go while the patient's numbing up to go do your hygiene checks and all that and come back Uh, but you learn little tricks and things like that along the way which is useful Uh, in australia it's much more just the dentist does everything so we we have to do our own x-rays we do our own like hygiene we do like cleans and stuff um which is i guess good and bad like the good thing is if your books aren't super busy, like at least you're always full and you're like producing because um, you're doing your own cleans. But then like doing cleans is also very like soul draining. So it's tough, tough to like, tough to do that. So um, I think that's the, the main difference um It's less insurance driven here in Australia than it is in Canada. Um, so there's a lot of cash, which is nice because you get paid sort of like for treatment right away. Um, in Canada, how it works. I mean, this is a few years ago, so I may have changed a little bit, but essentially um, for bigger cr- procedures like crowns and stuff, you have to get predeterminations. Um, so you know they'll cover cover it. And then you'll do the treatment. And because it's so competitive in the dental market, maybe 15 years ago, the patient would pay the full price for the treatment and then they'll wait for the insurance company to reimburse the patients directly. Whereas now practices are kind of taking on that uh, burden. So the patient will pay their, their co-payment and then the dental practices have to wait for the insurance company to send checks. So as an associate, you're working and you'll produce, say, $2,000 for the day. But really, you have to wait like a month for those checks to come in. So there's always like that lag in your in your pay. Um, whereas in Australia, we kind of just get paid on the day, which is nice. So um, I think if you're working in Canada, you have to make sure you, you keep track of your like collections because you'll produce, say, $10,000. And then if you only collect $7,000, like that $3,000 is your loss and the practice's loss. Uh, so those are sort of like some of the big things you got to just keep an eye on.
2: <laughs> what, what do you mean you didn't do your own... You, you did your own hygiene is there no is there, is there no hygienist in
0: australia No. So like some of the yeah. it, it would be like so I, I would say like in in canada right now if you look go do a poll of practices i would say it's like 95 percent would have hygiene like the hygienists there doing the cleanings and stuff if not more um here it would be maybe 10 percent of the, like the larger group practices wow. would have hygienists like doing their cleans um most of the like It's kind of like the patient expects the dentist to do the clean here. It's not like, they. it would be weird. It'd be like, you got to like train them up to go see a hygienist and like not see the dentist um, for their checks and cleans and stuff like that. So it's just like a different philosophy of practice, I guess. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's different. (laughs) That is insane. So are you, you, you talked
1: about wanting to, like, you're not sure where you want to go. Like, is that you saying that you prefer working in Australia then?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the that's the debate with uh the wife and the parents and all that because uh, obviously the parents i like got parents want us back and um i think my wife wants to go back but i'm i'm just like so ingrained here now like, i have such a like, good network and i got my friends and like all my like stuff that i'm doing so i i personally don't wouldn't mind to stay here but i think yeah future long-term is probably the best bet we will be coming back home probably in a couple of years time and then that'll be the time to kind of open our practice and, and start hitting
2: the ground running you said uh on, on your LinkedIn, it said that, uh, you started OMFS residency, is that right?
0: Yeah. So this, so it's not, a, um, it's not like the specialty training. So res, like the, the terminology is a bit different, I guess, between mm-hmm. and So it's sort of like doing like the, um, kind of like a GPR in a way, um, but essentially just like a one-year oral surgery job at a hospital. So we just work in the oral surgery unit. Um, and I just, I, I was kind of getting bored of like just general dental practice. And I was like, I just want to really go down the surgical niche of general dentistry. So this, like a year ago, I got into this like one year position, which is coming finishing up soon in the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, it's been great. Just, you know, doing a lot of wisdom teeth, a lot of like dental alveolar stuff, pre prosthetic surgeries and all that. Um, I'm doing like a big implant course as well. So I think, uh, I want to like move away from like doing any like endo and restorative and just start doing purely surgery going forward, which I'm excited about.
2: Did you, did you do that? That's awesome, man. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Um, did you do surgery before getting into the residency and then you start to like it? Or how, how did you go down this path? Like, gr- what sparked it for you?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I I've, I had this chat with someone. I, um, I think you, you realize that when you, when you start working, and I was working for probably three years. Like I was working a lot, like, especially like the first couple of years I was working, like, six seven days a week i was just like i was like let's just like get reps like i just want to get better plus like you make money which is like a nice byproduct of it but i was like i just want to like get as good as i can and get faster get my skills up and i just started realizing like if you get stuck in something um i was getting less frustrated by like surgery like if i snapped the root root tip if it took me like 30 minutes to fish it out i wasn't like annoyed at that whereas like if i'm if i was like cementing a crown and i couldn't you know isolate the margin or like there's like a bit of like like saliva coming through a rubber dam that stuff would like frustrate me because it's so like finicky to deal with and that's when I was like you know I really like like surgery and then my friend had a good analogy of like what would you do for free like if you if they offered you a day of doing dentistry for free what would you choose to do and, and like I will just like I would never do endo for free or like like fillings for free, but I would take out teas for free gladly. I just like love doing it. So, um, mm-hmm. that's when I decided to do it. I thought that would be the, the way to do it. And I think just specializing would be a good option, but it's just, it's hard because it's like max docs in Australia is about, you have to go to med school first, like f- finish full all of med school and then get into the training. So it's like 10 years and then in Canada and stuff, it's just like, yeah, not really possible. So, um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll stay as a general dentist, but I'll like do like a niche practice style. Yeah. That's
2: right. That's really interesting. Our, our first mm-hmm. guest, she, she went rural and then she came back and then she, she was working for a year and then she decided on ortho. So most, a lot of people say when you go out and practice first, before you do a specialty or before you do um, maybe you can do residency first, but before you do a specialty. So it's interesting that you're saying that because you don't know what you like until you start doing it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's interesting because in like in Australia, for example, um, it's not the case that you can go straight from dental school into a specialty. Like it, I, th- I think I've seen like in Toronto and in, in Canada and the U S you pretty much can finish dental school and go straight into ortho or perio or endo, or whatever it is. Um, most other places in the world, you got to work for a few years first and then apply. Um, which I think is nice because you really get a good sense of what you actually enjoy and don't enjoy, uh, before you kind of commit to it.
1: Yeah. And honestly, uh, so many of, so many of like programs here are kind of switching to that outlook too, like, uh- Anecdotally, people are saying it's almost an unspoken rule that you need to have work experience for things like endo and peds and whatever, but yeah. yeah.
2: Listening to all that you've accomplished, um, it it made me think about your bio where you talk about self-improvement and you describe yourself as a self-improvement nerd. And I think this is so important um, to dentistry because there's so much potential and, and room for growth in the field. But I was wondering what is self-improvement to you? And how do you continue fostering that with, with, with all that you do and and continue growing?
0: It's a good question. I think what I realized early on was as you start to take on more things, uh, you quickly either, like you either run out of time or things just fall off by like, like things just fall off your plate. So you, you'll commit to, you know, four things and then either you just do them all, all poorly or you drop one drops off and then you can't manage it. And then you're like, Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time. And then I look at other people who do way more things than I do. I'm like, how, how do they do it? How come they can do all this stuff and I can only handle like working in? And uh, so then I realized it's, it's just like, you got to develop, like I, I, the way I think of it is like, it's like software, like a website, you do got to develop the back end of things like stuff that like people can't see people that's stuff that's not out showing. So you got to develop your own like habits, your own like um, things that you do your own routines, um, time management's big. So uh, that's like the stuff that I try and work on. That's not something that you're going to like, you know, post on Instagram or put on your LinkedIn profile. It's like, okay, I'm just going to, instead of waking up at six, I'm just going to wake up at five 30. So I have like an extra half an hour to like do these three things. Or I'm going to, before I go to bed, I'm going to like write a list of like four things that I need to do before work the next day. So that when you sort of wake up, you're not like, oh, what should I do? Like, and it's like, just that like study habits, right? Like you get better at, at studying as you go along. And I'm sure you guys are, are, are good at that, but it's just like, how can I, upskill, like other things in my life that will help me kind of accomplish what I want to accomplish. Um, and for me personally, cause I, I was always a bit of a procrastinator. It's just like time management has been big and just building like healthier habits around that. So I try and um, like the whole morning morning routine thing was really important for me to to make sure that I like just got a lot done before I went to work. So before I used to like, I've, I think I, was, I shared this like in a podcast or something. Like my whole life, I would just wake up like 10 minutes before school and just like run to school pretty much. Like as I live quite close and I it was like second year down school and same thing, I go to 8 a.m. lecture. I get up, make a like a peanut butter and like jam sandwich. I'm like biking to school, like eating the sandwich. And then like I dropped the sandwich. And I was like, man, I kind of stop doing this. Like it's not a way to live. So I you know, started waking up earlier, having breakfast, like reading the news, like doing all these things. And now like that just gradually improves on itself. So I can wake up, I go for a run, I'll come back i'll like email who i got to email I'll do those things and have my checklist all done and then that's how you kind of just free up time for yourself and have that um, ability to take on more and more things
1: that is so good to hear because i have such a struggle with getting things done like i tell myself yeah i'm gonna wake up early i'm gonna go to the gym kind of thing get stuff done do it for a couple of days i miss a day and then i'm off the wagon right yeah so it's good to kind of hear someone say that they've gone through that too, but their life does change and turn around for the best. But yeah, it's cool.
2: Uh, it's fascinating to hear all the work that you put behind everything because you make it look so easy. Um, but hearing that, like, how do you how do you face failure? Like, is is there times that you've you failed or you're struggled, and 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 how did you? kind of keep yourself going through that because I, I think a lot of a lot of times in dentistry it's challenging um because it's so niche and 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 novel t- to us
0: yeah i like failure is like such an interesting thing because you look at you, you you listen to interviews with like all these like successful entrepreneurs and people and everyone's like just like you have to really learn to embrace failing and like fail a lot um it's tough in dentistry because you're like if your procedure fails and it happens like it happens to everyone like you'll do an endo and it fails or um you like perforate a tooth or you can't get a tooth out um and that's like a, a failure because the consequences like somebody else's health and like you, you have empathy and you feel bad about it and it like affects your confidence and stuff um i think you know uh, ray dalio has this like quote it's like pain plus reflection equals progress so i think the main thing that i've learned to like figure out is when i fail and it, like stuff fails all the time like i'll i'll do a project and it's like doesn't have traction or I'll, I'll do a procedure, I'll work and then there's complications or something. Um, I think the important thing is like reflecting, like reflecting on like why did it happen? What can I do next time to like prevent that from happening? Um, because if you don't take the opportunity to like learn from that mistake, cause it happens, everyone's gonna make mistakes. I've made so like a lot of mistakes in dentistry for sure. Uh, especially early on. And I think it's just like if you just brush it off and say oh, it was a fluke it wasn't my fault the patient was this the patient was that or um the other person i was dealing with was like not, not trustworthy or whatever it was i think like just take it on to yourself be like yeah it was my fault what can i do to get better uh, next time so i think that ref- the reflection piece on that failure is like huge um so i think that's what i would recommend and for me i was journaling like i started journaling a lot because um i thought it was like a really good way to reflect um so i and I don't do it all the time. I did it, like, I challenged myself. I did, like, 100 days in a row, like, earlier this year. Like, I wake up and I'm, like, reflect back on the day before. Or, like, upcoming challenges. Like, that was a huge one for me. Because so say so if you have a week coming up and you guys have, like, midterms, exams and stuff. And you're, like, man, I'm, like, super stressed about these three things. And then a month later, you, like, look back. Like, I was, like, so stressed in the time over these, like, little things. And now it's, like, you got through it or you screwed up even. But you reflect on it and you move on. I think that reflection on failure is, like, the biggest thing I can uh Advice I can give anyone.
1: I so you you talked about the challenges thing. I I listened to a, a couple of your episodes that you just released, and you in one of them you talked about how you set challenges for yourself, and one of them was like do a push up for thirty days or something like that. Okay, can you talk about that? Like why do you do that?
0: That's I guess that goes back to uh, like the self reflect um, the self growth thing. I, I just think it's exciting to uh, just spice up life a little bit. So like I'll just try random things, and there's not like something I invented. I definitely got it off other people, like from I got people I watch on YouTube and stuff uh but yeah just different things like i'll do like a no no sugar challenge for a month and i'll just like and I you get such great like self-satisfaction from like just that discipline like i think for me that's like what i enjoy um so whatever it is like i'm like okay i'll do while my coffee's brewing i'll do like push-ups and then you just see okay i can do 20 the next week i can do 25 30 35 and that's like cool growth or no sugar no bread uh no meats like whatever it is i just try and like have these little things that i just do every so often just to kind of keep things exciting for myself pretty much so you get bored and get into a rut right on so
1: you're focused on development kind of thing That that's cool that that's a that's a good mindset to have right i yeah. think everyone kind of wants to be in that mindset mm-hmm. so why don't sense. we shift gears a bit uh yeah, why don't we talk ahead. about you know your podcast so uh, we wanted to focus on things you do outside of dentistry so can we can we get into the nitty-gritty of your podcast why did you start it when did you start it you know ups and downs and was it worth it in the end
0: yeah so I think definitely worth it, um, 100% looking back at it. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Like I I started, like I said, I was a big podcast fan myself. Like I, I was really early, like in, in high school, I was like, there was like early podcast days, like 2000, I guess it would have been like 2007 or something. Uh, there was like a bunch of like soccer podcasts I would listen to. And then eventually started getting more and more and bigger. And then like I discovered dental podcasting. And I always thought it was a cool medium to like communicate long form, ask questions, get to meet people you want to meet. Um, it's like a really good excuse, a good icebreaker, as I'm sure you guys are experiencing with the podcast you're doing now. Um, you can just reach out to like anyone, be like, hey, I got a podcast, like, can I have an hour of your time and just ask you whatever I want to ask you? Like, it's it's an awesome way of, it's, it's very selfish in a way, but you also like, you give out value, which is cool. Um, yeah, so I, when I moved back to Toronto, I was, I was a bit uh, struggling because I just didn't have any dental connections or network in in Canada. So um, that's why I sort of started early days and I just connected with some dentists on Instagram and record a few interviews. And then gradually just, you know, you, you find different people, you get them on. And as you get a little bit more of a reputation or as your audience grows a bit, then you start having uh, access to like, I guess, more and more like influential sort of people. And then you get to like experience interviewing them and the doors that opens up for you. So it's been cool. Like I, I've met a lot of people that have become friends and like mentors of mine that I just can reach out to all the time. And I think that's a, it's it's a personality thing. I, I think we were talking to you guys last time we were chatting about how to like treat your guests because I have friends who do podcasts and it's more like a business almost transaction of, Hey, nice to meet you. Let's do the podcast and then that's it. Um, whereas I really value the relationships. I value it more than, download numbers or money or whatever it is i think that's like my the currency that i care about the most is um did i make a, enough of a connection with this person that three months down the track I can reach out to them for a question or advice or something and then that's how i sort of look at it so it's been great i mean the the, the first like you get your first hundred downloads and you're like oh my god a hundred and then you get a thousand and then five ten fifteen twenty and it's just like i a little while because i'm from new market ontario which is like not a huge town just like north of like richmond hill and I was like a little while ago. I was like waiting for my like train to go home, and I was like, I wonder what the population of my hometown is. And I looked it up, and I was like, I have more downloads than like the entire like population of my hometown, which is kind of exciting. Um, so it's just like little sentimental things like that that like no one cares about. But if you can just if you're just like you know proud of what you did yourself, I think that's that's always exciting. Uh, that's so yeah, like a short short answer is like definitely worth it. I think it's it's a great medium to connect with people. It's a great networking tool. And at the very, very minimum, at least you just get better at communicating, you become a better speaker, a better listener, which is just a good skill to have at the end of the day.
1: Right. Yeah. So a big, big thing for us too, was the networking aspect of it, right? Like we wanted to have conversations with people because we found that we were having the same conversations over and over again with our peers in dental school. Right. Yeah. So why not kind of get answers, but on on that note, right. Is everyone going to go out and start a podcast to kind of do this? So do you do you have any advice for people that just kind of want to network, explore dentistry and get their career jump started and it doesn't make them uh, have to start content creation and go on YouTube or whatever, <laughs> blow up like the newbie dentist, right? Like, wh- yeah. what do you suggest?
0: Um, I think you just have to, you got to ask, like asking is really like, it's an underrated skill. I think a lot of people are just like scared to like ask for things because it's just like that, like the failure piece again, or like feel, feel like, oh, the rejection and whatnot. Um, so if you, if you go to an, like a, a CE event, just ask the guy, like, hey, can I come shadow you? Can I come, uh, can we grab like lunch or something? Or even if you meet people at events, because it was funny, even, even in Toronto, I was there for like a year and I went, like I would, I would try and go as many courses as I could. But in, the, in that one year, like the five or six courses that I went to, you would see like the same people all the time. So it's just like the the crowd is always the same. Like either you go to courses or you don't and you just go to like your annual conferences and that's how you get your certificate hours. So like once you see that crowd, then you can become friends with that group of dentists because I think it's really important to like have a a good group of like dental friends as well. Um, Some of your dental school friends might be good friends in dental school, but then they come out and they just don't have the same sort of career drive as you or they they get burnt out and they start hating dentistry. And then that negative like energy like rubs off on you. You're like, oh man, I hate dentistry too. Like um, it happens a lot. Like I'm sure you'll notice it when you start working three, four years out, a lot of people start getting burnt out and kind of uh, getting over dentistry a little bit, unfortunately. But um, I think that's just ask, try and connect with people and like, don't be afraid of like rejection. Just ask the course organizers, ask people at the events, if you can encha- exchange information and just uh, for advice. And then the other huge component is social media. Um, and I think that's one of the benefits of having like a dental Instagram page. Um, yeah, there's some vanity to it and you get some like likes on your work. But I think being, uh, you got to contribute to the, the like you have, it's a social media in the day. So you got to be social and that. you got to contribute content. And then that way you can reach out and people are like so amazing with their time. You can reach out to like a specialist in the US with like your small little pa and like what should i do what what do you think and then they'll like give you answers like it's it's amazing that you can have that access to people around the world so um there's so many times where like i'll be taking a tooth out and i'll i'll message like a max fax in the u.s and i'm like hey like do you think i should section it this way or this way and then he'll like reply back and i'm like that's that's incredible so um I think social media is a big part of it nowadays because it just opens you up to the rest of the world. So even if you have like a dental Instagram page, just to post like some, some work and just engage in the community, I think you can get a lot of value that way.
2: That's amazing. I'm I'm sure so many people reach out to you as much as you reach out to them. Um, do Do you have like a one specific story where, where someone sent you a case or, or you sent someone a case or somehow this networking and this collaboration has benefited either you or someone that you've reached out to?
0: Um, I think the, the biggest one, I just like quickly, I mean, there's been a, a, a few of them, but the one that really sticks out to me was, I remember it was like my second year out and I was kind of like working in more like, r- like rural practice here in Australia. And this guy came in and he, he had like this like massive, like excess like bone, like on the, it was a dentalist arch and he had like some exostosis on the other side that I wanted to like reduce. Um, so we can get a denture in there because there's a like, massive like undercut. And like I posted like this case on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to like do the surgery. And uh, this guy like reached out like some max in in, um in the U S and he's like, Hey man, maybe just like get like a CT scan or CBCT and just like check. Cause sometimes these buccal exostoses aren't just truly like buck, like bone. Sometimes it's like the sinus that's blown up. So if you reduce that, you might just like perforate the sinus and like causes all the issues and stuff. And so like literally the pa- this is like five minutes before the patient was meant to like show up and I'm like, everything's set up. I'm like, man, what if he's right? Like, what if I just like raise a flap, I reduce this bone. And I'm like, I'm like into the sinus. Like, I'm like, what would I do then? So then, sure enough, like a guy comes. Like, listen, I've I've I've, I've uh, had a chat to a specialist, and we've like rec- he's recommended getting a scan and stuff done. So we arranged for him to go get a scan done in this. Like, it was like an hour outside, hour and a half outside the city. He gets the scan done. It comes back, and it was truly like it was like a thin like one millimeter like shell of bone and it was just sinus inside. So if I hadn't posted that or if I hadn't the guy hadn't reached out to me because of like, um, I would have done it. Like I had no like I that thought of the sinus being there and stuff had never crossed my mind. So that would have been like a pretty disastrous situation. So and that's one that always kind of comes to mind now. And yeah, the little stuff, I mean, from people messaging me for me, it's just as the podcast is cool because I'll get a message from some guy in like brazil or like some guy in denmark and he's like hey man i just like listened to the podcast on my way to work and like thanks i'm like jeez i guess crazy like for me so that's for me that's like the stuff i get joy out of but i've I've definitely received a lot more than i've given out for sure
1: so unofficially you're saying that having a podcast will potentially save your career <laughs> <laughs> yes you don't perforate <laughs> a sinus yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: wow
1: and yeah, that's cool it's sweet that you just globally connect with anyone pretty much right and I'm sure you've established meaningful kind of relationships throughout it too like I'm sure you have your go-to people and stuff like that so it it kind of broadens your scope of I don't know access to specialists because the typical model I had in my head right was like you're in your region and you have you know an ortho buddy uh, you have an OMFS buddy an endo buddy and then you consult with them you refer to them kind of thing but this goes so much more beyond that right so I think that's the uh,
0: it's like the modern modern way of doing it I think that's why like I I really think like the floor of dentistry is like so much higher, like now than it was maybe like 20 years ago. Cause like, can you imagine like being a dentist like 20 years ago, it would be that model that you have, right? So you're working in a town, you have your four buddies that you always refer to and then you just get advice from each other. But that's such a like closed environment. So it's hard to like see what else is possible, what other options there are. Whereas now you have, you know, people from around the world doing amazing things and you can like, they're accessible. You just like send them a DM and they'll get back to you. It's like, it's insane. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's sweet.
0: Yeah, okay, you're, so, you're surprised no, by this
2: as much as we are. You're surprised as, about this as, as much as we are. And I'm sure you didn't expect people from around the world to message you, and actually help you, or you help them, or whatever it may be. But what what, what expectations did you have uh, when starting this podcast? Did you, was it just for for your local school, or was it was it beyond? What did you what did you what did you see in the future when you first started this podcast?
0: That's it's great. I don't. It's so hard because. I, I remember when I started. Like I wanted to start for a long time, and obviously, like with anything, there's like that. Like you're a bit scared to like launch it, or like to that that step to like actually do it is like hard because you, you like that whole like fear of rejection thing, and like, oh, what if I put it out and like no one listens to it, or like it just like fizzles out. Um, I really had no expectation. I just thought, let me just do it. Um, I'll be happy that I tried. If it fails, it fails. If it works, it works. Uh, I remember I had a, a friend of mine, like not in dental. Um, and I was telling them I gotta, just like my high school friends, essentially just like grabbing some beers. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this podcast. It's like, yeah, if you get a thousand dollars, then like, that's like huge, like good for you. Like, um, so that was like my first goal. I was like, I'll just start this. If I can get a thousand, then I'll be like, really, I'll be really wrapped with that. And I'll be happy with that. So, Uh, Yeah, I mean, even now I don't have any goals, to be honest, like I could stop tomorrow and I'll be happy or I can go to a million downloads and I'll be happy equally the same. I I, I just kind of do it because I enjoy doing it. I don't really have like specific sort of targets for it.
1: Okay, and then let's talk about CPD Junkie because it not so much about, you know, like you don't have to go into intricacies of it, but the concept of, of the fact that you're starting this side business essentially, right? But it's free access for dentists and stuff like that. So it's almost like a goodwill gesture, but it's a side hustle you've been doing. So how do you find the time as a dentist? Do you find the time? Where do you go? Tell us about the journey of, with that.
0: Yeah. So this is a great I mean, the issue, the the good thing and the bad thing with dentistry is like, like this, like the golden handcuff analogy like because it's such a lucrative job it's hard to like have drive outside of that to do different things um because really like when you look at if you're just looking at it from a purely monetary aspect like if i just work an extra day i can make more than i would like do from like the podcast and like all that stuff like throughout the year type thing so really you got to do it like your initial aim does, it's not about the money or anything like that. You, you do it because you have some sort of interest or you, you want to like develop a new skill. You want to learn something else. Cause if it was like purely, like I want to do this because I want to supplement supplement my income. You're just better off working an extra day if you want, if you enjoy it enough. And because it's hard to match that. Um, how you make time. I think the first thing is um, like really good systems and that's stuff that I'm like learning from like my co-founders and stuff. Cause I, I, I'm good at like big picture things, but I'm like, I start out here, but it's hard for me to get here and be like, okay, this is the executable steps that you got to do to like make this like actually function and go. So I think partnering with the right people is important. Um, if you're doing any side posture or even a practice, like if you're um, if you're really good at like aesthetic dentistry, but you can't do like anything else and you open a practice, that's a general dental practice with kids coming in, with endo coming in. It might be good to have partners or different associates that come in because you don't want to do everything yourself. So with the side projects, it's the same thing. Like if if you want to like go somewhere, really identify like your own strengths and weaknesses and try and find partners that like complement you well. So my partner is very good at like just execution. Like from A to Z, this is how we'll do it. And then so we just we work together really well in that sense. With CPD junkie, I think. It's, a, it's like the first proper like business, like the, the podcast and stuff. Yeah. It makes a little bit of money from sponsorship and stuff, but it's not like a business that you can like really scale and like grow and like sell eventually. Um, uh, whereas this is something that we, we kind of see that potential in it. Um, the revenue comes from event organizers that want to like market. So essentially, even though it's like exact same business models that like Google would be right. Cause essentially we're a search engine, we're free for you to come use us. Um, but if you want to your courses to show up or show up on our homepage and stuff. Then you just it's like Google AdWords. You just pay and then we come up on the on the homepage. So that's that's how that's going. But it's a race between like users. So you need more users on the website. So you have to make the user interface like really good so people want to come use CPD Junkie. And as as your audience grows, then you can get more revenue from people marketing on on your platform. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how it's growing in terms of time. I think that's like business is cool. Cause you get to like, you learn leverage. So we just hire, like we, once you start getting some revenue or luckily we, we put our own money into it as well. So you can hire people. So we have like four dental students that work for us um, now. So they pretty much do the day-to-day nitty gritty stuff that we used to do at the early phases ourselves. So that, that frees you up to do like the bigger, bigger tasks. I think that's like that why I love it is because that's exactly how like a practice would be, right? Like if you start off you'll start doing everything yourself. You do your own fillings. you do that. And then as you get busier, you can like, I'm only going to do crowns and like full mouth rehabs and implants. And then you hire an associate to come in and do all your fillings and stuff for you. Cause it's just like, like you're, you're, you've kind of outgrown that now. Um, so I think that's how you should look at it, um, to try and like replace yourself every so often. So you'll have people coming in to do your things and, that way you can just focus on what you can, like what you have the skill set to focus on. So um, that's our approach it. And that's how much that's how we make the time for it. And like I said, I think that's how those skills can really apply to like the dental world in terms of practice ownership when the time comes for it.
2: Do you find that you're working as much as a, as a dentist now that you have all these uh, side projects or, or have you kind of kind of settled down a bit? That, that being said, we understand that you're still doing your, uh, a residency so it might be different now
0: but yeah so so this year like COVID helped a lot so <laughs> we had like a lot of free time I I probably wouldn't have been able to like do the things that I did this past year like if it wasn't for COVID. So um but it was also it was really good because I learned that because I was doing the residency like Monday or Friday and I would just do some private shifts um like on Saturdays and stuff just for like just to keep my hands like hands skills up and just like a little bit extra cash. And then the private stuff stopped because all the like practices were shut down for a while. And then you quickly realize like at our, at our stage of life, like the money is not like, like it doesn't like, make any difference to your life. Like if you make a hundred grand or like 150 grand or hundred, like literally nothing will change in your life. So I was like, well, what's the point? Like, I don't wanna like work seven days a week and not have any time to like do all these like other stuff that I care about. So I think how I'm planning it for this upcoming year, like as I finish the residency is I'm just gonna work like three to four days a week, um, hopefully three. Um, way we have just time to like do all this stuff at a higher level if I want to. Yes, like the, the overall income might be less, but I think um, the growth and stuff that's possible from it, the ceiling can be higher on that other stuff, which is um, in the short term that makes sense for me, anyways. Yeah, that's-
2: but it, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting outlook on on how you want to allocate your time and, and the importance of money versus happiness and and where you want to allocate your time for hobbies. And I, it, this is like a kind, of, this is a good segue in how you would define success.
0: This like for me is a huge question. Uh, I think it comes down to how, what you value, right? I think it comes down to values essentially. Um, I remember, like, I was because, I, like, I said, first year in Toronto, I was literally working, m- month, like, I worked seven days a week. On some days, I would work in like two, like, I would work seven to two, and then I'll drive to another practice and do like three to eight. Like, I was just like, like, because my wife was in Canada, uh, in Australia, like, finishing up med school when I was in Toronto. So, like, nothing else. I was like, I'll just work and I'll just make money and I'll get better. Like, I was just mm-hmm. looking at it as practice. I'm just like doing reps, getting, getting skill. Um, but I think that was my mistake. Cause I kind of burnt myself out pretty early. Like I was like my second year out, I was like still working a lot. And I was like, I was kind of getting over it a little bit. So, um, I just wasn't getting the same enjoyment and things. So that's why I was like, if I what's it like, why I work so much? I remember I was like really, st- cause it's a stressful job. Like you're doing procedures. Patients are, like, can be unhappy with certain things that don't go well. Or like, there's always that stress there that you have with all your work. I remember I was like driving home. <laughs> I see this guy, like spraying down like a bus stop, like washing a bus stop. I'm like, man, imagine having such a like low stress job that you can just like chill and like listen to music and just like wash the bus stop. And then that, that's the point I was like, I gotta like change something. Cause like, I'm not happy, like it working so much. Like I'm just like not getting enjoyment out of it. Um, so I think that's why I decided to do the residency to, to like upskill in one area, like a lot. So, then that's where you can, I can work less maybe and have similar income from just like taking out wisdom teeth and like doing implants and stuff. Um, yeah. I guess the analogy is like, just like, don't be scared to like be the captain of your own ship. Just like, don't do what the normal thing is like, okay. You're a dentist, work five days, make your 200 grand. And then that's buy a house. And like, that's like the that script that you follow and you're successful. Um, just like, what do you enjoy doing? Like I enjoy running. I want to make time for running. I'm training for like a triathlon in July right now. So I'm doing that. Um, and that's like a lot of time, I, I was like, I, you get your stats is like 200 hours I spent running last year. That's like almost a month and a half of like full-time work. So, um, I think that's like for me that's success because i'm i'm taking care of my health i'm taking care of my my interests i'm taking care of money and work and all that but i in totality that makes me happy some other people might just be purely driven by i want to be the best dentist i want to be like the most skilled clinician and they're they come home and they read papers and they read textbooks but for me that's not like that's not my drive so i don't that's perfectly fine it's just like whatever your your path is just like make sure you just do your best effort in that path
2: yeah, it seems it seems that being well-rounded is really important to you not forgetting, not focusing on one aspect of your life, but focusing on like all facets of your life. And, and I'm, I'm curious, working seven days a week, if if even if you were focused on, on getting better as a as a as a GP, did you find that you had the same drive to learn and improve when you were burnt out from seven days or, or how did that work?
0: I think, I think I tried it. I wanted to like, like, even in my, like, on my like newbie dentist, like Instagram account, I started like posting cases and I was like getting better and like doing restorative and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's like the thought of like, I read this book, like Angela Duckworth, like has a book on grit and like, what makes you like, what makes people like successful? Um, I think it's like, you, you gotta have like the passion plus the work, work rate. Like, I know I'm not lazy in that sense. Cause I, I like to work hard, but like, was I like, truly passionate about like i want to have the best like occlusal anatomy in like the world and i want to like lecture on composites and bonding and like um i, I tried honestly like i tried it out for like a year i'm like no, i don't have the, the passion to like like put the effort that other people do um for me my passions and stuff come in different areas of, like, life. Uh, yes, I want to be, like, a good dentist, and I really care about giving good care for my patients and stuff. But I don't like my. I don't have, like, the drive to be, like, a world-renowned dentist in that sense. But I'd rather be world-renowned for other things, like uh, maybe talking about this kind of stuff for other dentists to kind of learn and learn that kind of stuff. But that's my passion area. So I think just for you, you got to figure out what you're passionate about, what can, like, really push you to, like, uh, not be average if you have any ambition not to be average, and then just find out what that is and just pursue it.
2: Yeah, I find that work rate and and passion are kind of inversely related. Because if you if you work too hard on something you're passionate about, it kind of gets too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to find a good balance of both, where 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 you can do what you're passionate about, uh, like a lot, as well as give time for other areas of your life, so you don't get burnout. That's so really interesting.
0: Yeah, I think balance is important. I think it's a, it's very like, maybe it's a very like millennials like type thing. Like, I don't think like our parents like had that same mindset, but like, for me, I'm no. just like, <laughs> wait, like, it's just like that, I don't know, it's like a, like the second generation of like an immigrant thing or something like you, like you're not surviving anymore. Like you've luckily your floor is pretty good. Like we're dentists, like worst case, I can go back to working if, seven days a week if I need to. But um, once you get to a certain floor, like and you're comfortable there, now you can explore, okay. How do I pursue things that actually like fulfill me?
1: Yeah. That's a good discussion. I like that. Very wholesome. <laughs> uh, if I can kind of segue this back and in, in sure. back into the topic of business and stuff yeah, like let's that. Do business. Okay. Yeah. It's um just generally, okay. A big topic of conversation amongst our group, like amongst Christian jury and I, and then the, the rest of the Debbie team, right. Was the concept of this business knowledge, this innovation drive, the entrepreneurial knowledge you need to have that, seems like it's a necessity in dentistry but you know we're not taught it in school and if we are it's like the very very basics of it right yeah so being a couple of years out of practice right and having started the newbie dentist and now the cpd junkie like pretty major side hustles right how comfortable do you feel with business and has that benefit you in dentistry you mentioned that you might use the skill sets that you acquire to open up a practice. Is this all a strategy to just become a business whiz and own the most efficient <laughs> dental practice or yeah. What's your opinion on that?
0: Yeah. I think like anything, it's, you guys, to develop like you gotta develop the skills. Um, I think the most important thing like bar nine is communication. So if you can be a good communicator, because I think in dentistry when you talk to a lot of practice owners and I'm sure you'll come across this in people you talk to is like staff is like the main like the the main thing that drives like practice owners crazy is like dealing with staff and things. So um, the main skill from podcasting, from all this other stuff is learn to communicate effectively, learning to like lead teams. Because as you start hiring people, one, the practice of hiring, interviewing, hiring people, and two, managing, staying, keeping them motivated, different management styles and things. That'll be like, the I think that'll be the biggest difference maker when you open a practice is how well you can like get your team to buy into your belief of like, this is my goal for the practice. This is what I want the, the, like the morale or the vibe of the practice to be. And then if you can communicate that effectively to your team, um, then that's when you can actually like create a successful practice. Uh, I think it's, yeah, like you learn, so marketing wise, you learn, just from doing the podcast, from doing CB Junk, you learn about like advertising through Google, through Facebook, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, how to look at those metrics. How to, that's stuff that I don't think most dentists would know how to do um, at a baseline. So either they'll hire someone to do it, or even if they hire someone to do it, which might be a smart thing to do just to free yourself up to do more important things like dentistry. Uh, you don't know how to like, like like account like how to keep them accountable like how do I know my guy, SEO guy is actually doing something useful for me and not just I'm not just paying him every month to say yeah I'm helping your Google search visibility and things so those core marketing skills like I may not be a like genius marketer but at least I know how to read the metrics I know how to set up an ad I know how to set up A-B an test and try two different ads and see how different people respond to it how they click through it so those skills are just like super useful to have i don't think like most dentists graduating would know how to do that kind of stuff um how to build a website how to build track where people click on your website how to interact with your website um how to convert sales like all that kind of stuff is really important from the just like the pure business end and marketing and of things and if you're com- coming into a comparative business world where dentistry is getting really competitive, like to compete with corporates and things um if you're a mom and pop shop and you want to like in your local town be known like the marketing is going to be important and how to get people to come to their practice so that's one end of it that's like marketing sales conversion and then the second end is just communication I think going back to it um no matter how good your skills are as a dentist I think the most underrated skill that I think you guys all like three of you plus whoever's listening um is just be like you gotta be really good communicator with your patients like one to get case acceptance like you can have the most skills in the world but if you can't communicate, hard to. how Get people to accept treatment, see the value and treatment that you can provide, then you'll have a cap on how much you can produce as a dentist. And secondly, like to stay out of trouble. Like if you're not a good, I, I see a lot of dentists get in trouble with like litigation stuff because they don't communicate effectively, either be it like the consenting process, or even if a failure occurs and people come back, how to deal with that patient, uh disgruntled patient or whatever it may be. So I think communication is on one end of the business spectrum and then technical stuff is on one but I think I'd value the communication side more than anything for sure interesting and so did you did you self-teach this to yourself like this is something you just picked up along the way or
1: did you actually do anything formally to educate yourself on this so I I, I've tried reading books and stuff
0: I my problem is like I think I'm good at talking but sometimes that you you have to like learn how to like keep it contained as well and like package it well so I think that's something that I'm trying to get better at I'm still trying to get better at trying to learn uh, when you read like case acceptance books and stuff, it, it gets a bit too like technical and like too scripted. Um, and I don't, I don't like that. Like, you'll see some dentists that go to these courses and they'll, they'll sit and they'll say this exact same, like, like a memorized script, almost like I had to like present the case. For me, I, I, that's too robotic. That's not my style. But I think if you don't have it naturally, then that's a, the best next way to learn it is just like understand the psychology of it. Understand like the scripts. Have a few things that you have ready, and then just use that. Because I know it doesn't come naturally to everyone, and that's that's fine. But I think that's the next best way of learning it. Trial by fire. Just kind of do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> see, see what happens. Yeah. Right on. So we're we're getting a, we're getting close to about an hour. Um, we like to leave off on a, a simple question. Basically, well, what what's your what's your one suggestion that you would give to dental students or new graduates, and something that you know now that you wish you knew.
0: The question Let me think i think your first job is like the most important so my mistake was i was really because i we, when you graduate like we graduated here in december and by the time we did the boards and I had to wait for like my license and stuff to come um my friends in australia like australians were like already working for like two three months so i was feeling a bit like stressed because i was like i wasn't practicing for like two three months while i was waiting for that so i was like really in a rush just to get a job and just to get going and start working and pra- like getting better so I wasn't selective enough, I think, in that first job. So I think that would be my recommendation is, like, don't rush it. Um, Your first job is really important. You need to have a good mentor. You need to make sure you have enough patience that you're, like, actually busy. And even if it takes you an extra one or two months, even if your friends are, like, working already and, like, posting on Instagram their their procedures and stuff they're doing and you're just sitting at home doing not much, um, really make sure you take the time. uh, Do your due diligence about practices. Find the right practice. Cause that'll really set you back. If you, if you're in a bad environment, like I was, my first job was a startup practice and they pretty much hired me to be like the principal dentist. And I was literally in my first month that I was there and I, I quit after like five weeks, the first month I saw three patients, like the whole month. And I'm just like, man, how am I supposed to like get better? Even though I had like a base income, you know, and all that, I was just sitting in the back on the computer, like doing C online CE and stuff, but um, it's not a good environment. Like you're not going to get better. You're not going to learn. So even if you got to leave the city, go rural, whatever it may be, because I know how saturated the cities are anywhere, like Melbourne, Toronto, uh, even London probably at this point. Um, take the time, find the right practice. Even if it's rural, one or two years, it may not fit your lifestyle right away, but if you want to get better and like get skills and have good mentorship and good reps, that's the, the best advice I can give.
1: Okay, well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. This has been The Business of Drilling, Dr. Azami, the newbie dentist himself, Thanks so much for talking to us. I, I mean, having these types of conversations is invaluable. I had a lot of fun. Christian, Jury. what do you guys think? Have fun? It was a good conversation.
2: It's amazing, man. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Always good talks. Thank you so much. Um, I learned so much today and uh, really appreciate you being here. Yeah, your journey so- is so interesting.
1: <laughs> Dr. Omidazami, uh, anything you want to leave off on?
0: No, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's always exciting to kind of connect back with the, the Canadian students and uh, see what you guys are up to and what the dental schools like. like. Um, it's really amazing the initiative. You guys have to start where you have and the podcast and the events and courses and stuff you're running. I think it's really important to train dental students more in, in the business side of things if they're going to be practice owners. Um, it's going to be interesting. Like I, don't, I think most of your classmates probably will, probably will never be practice owners just the way the dental industry is going. So I think if you're really going to take that leap take on that liability, take on the stress, um, just be sure you're ready for it. Because it's, it's it's not like it used to be, unfortunately, where you can just like, open the doors and just work for 20 years and be all happy, like, successful. So um, I think you got to be ready in a business sense of the word to really market, to learn to sell, to learn to manage teams, work on the margins. Um, but I think those of you who are you know, putting in the effort not to learn the stuff will definitely see the rewards of it going forward. Sweet. Yeah.
1: Okay, great. So check out Debbie Academy on Facebook. Uh, Join the group if you'd like. You can also find us on Instagram at Debbie Learn. That's D E B I dot L E A R N. Great, and of course check out the newbie dentist. I've listened to this guy since I got into dental school. Um, Very very knowledgeable. He Has great anecdotal discussions and things to
2: learn from. So thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll see you next episode.